Hey everyone, welcome back to episode 9 of Ferocious Compassion. Woo, can hardly believe we've already done 9 episodes and I've even recorded more than 9. So it's going well. I am getting a lot of really good feedback and I love hearing from you. I'd love to hear topics that you're interested in for the next season for 2021 even topics that I'll be speaking to you about you know on my own without interviewing anyone so that's coming up as well today my guest is Mara Glatzel Mara is an intuitive coach writer and podcast host who helps perfectionists and people pleasers reclaim their sovereignty Mara is one of the kindest humans I've ever met and our conversation today is at the top of my list. She really understands the impulse to relegate our needs to the bottom of a very long to-do list in an attempt to prove our worth. Her superpower is saying what you need to hear when you need to hear it, and she's here to help you believe in yourself as much as she believes in you. Mara believes that the ultimate act of self-care is rebuilding the chasm in your relationship with yourself so that you can feel seen, heard, and adored by yourself, no matter what. She wants you to know that you don't have to over-deliver, minimize your needs, or suffer to earn your space in the world. You can create a relationship with yourself filled with radiant trust, compassion, and gentle discipline by taking your daily choices off of autopilot. You are worthy of the care and tending you give others. Welcome, Mara. So happy you're here with me today. Thanks for having me. I am really excited to be here today. (sighs) How are your exhales going in these times? You know, I recently taught my four-year-old daughter to do like an exaggerated lion roar of an exhale with like tongue hanging out. And, you know, I feel like that's the epitome of what's going on over here these days. It's like really like fiery and forceful, um, using your breath to, it's like, God, like empty, such a, a full cup of feelings. And it's really useful for me. I, you know, I have kids who are um, really intense. I myself am really intense. And so, you know, it's such a great reminder for me because I so benefit from those kinds of like child somatic regulation tools and we all do them together. And um, yeah, so I guess that's how they're going. Fiery, forceful. That is, that's, that's right in line with the astrology. Okay. So today Mars is going retrograde and apparently we've been in this very fiery sort of fertile place and we're coming up to a super new moon tomorrow, which will be November 14th. So I see that this could only be good for all of us, but we, we needed in, in, as far as what I've read, we've needed the fire for the transformation. So I'd like to start by just talking to you a little bit about you, like tell us about you and what you're doing in your life these days. Yeah. So, um, I am a coach and a writer and a podcaster. I'm also the parent of a one-year-old and a four-year-old during a pandemic. And so that's kind of like 
the two sides of my life right now. I am unlike perhaps some of us, I really, when the pandemic started in March, I was, I come into a real like burst of energy through the spring equinox, through the spring season, just naturally. And so it coincided with this feeling of, you know, kind of, if something were to happen to me, what's my legacy? So this year I've been very hyper-focused on my work. I wrote a book. I'm working on getting that book published. I've revamped a lot of my programs and I feel more than ever that um, the work that I do, which is around helping people move from self-abandonment to self-partnership is so necessary. How we resource ourselves for these very complicated and nuanced energetically days um, is so necessary. Uh, And I've been (laughs) very busy uh, because people, you know, been a lot going on with my work and then simultaneously really having to tend to my own energy because I'm waking up all night with my teething one-year-old. My, you know, my four-year-old is wearing a mask all day in school and having night, you know, it's like, it's, it's, there's a lot happening on all fronts. And so something that I've been really compelled by this year is what, what supports me to do everything that I want to do in my life. Um, because I'm very committed to a pro-human anti-hustle way of being. And so I'm always in conversation with myself around, these are the things I want and need to do. How can I do that in a way that's sustainable and kind? Because I'm I'm pretty rigid about that piece. Like I want to have it both ways. And that takes a lot of like dancing and and reconfiguring, especially in a time where, you know, I don't know what my child care will look like one week to the next or what my work looks like one week to the next. You're such a nurturing energy. I want to ask you, how long have you been doing TEND? This is my fifth year. Is that the one that's, so you've got one that's 40 days too, right? Yeah. Daily tending I wrote in 2017. So I've been doing that, but I've been doing some iteration of this work for 10 years. So how did you formulate your work? Like how, who are your teachers? How did you figure out because you have such a unique languaging and you use all these wonderful terms like taking up space. And I want to know, like, how did you formulate your theory about how you were going to roll this out and teach it? You know, I think for me, a lot of it has been making what I need Mm -hmm. or what I've needed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for me, it's like, I came to the online space in, in 2008 because I wanted to talk about body image and body politics. And I live in this really small town. Nobody, I mean, now it's hip to talk about that, but then it was like, nobody wanted to talk about that. And they were just like, go to the gym, lose weight, like enough. And I was like, okay, I'm fat and I'm going to be okay with that. And there are other people who are cool with that too. And, you know, they hang out in this magical place called the internet. And so so I started just kind of being online. And what's interesting for me is that I have chronically my entire life underestimated my like natural intuition and, and how a lot of my work really comes out of 
I'm just constantly thinking. I'm like looking at what's in front of me and and noticing the gaps. And I just have a mind and a heart that that works like that, really in an energetic space. And so over the course of time, I can see how I was like, okay, well, you if you want to do this, you have to become a social worker. So, you know, I went to school, I got my master's and this was part of it, like doing the right thing, doing what, you know, like the like gold standard. I was always really a perfectionist and really was interested in this level of excellence and um, putting other people's information ahead of my own. And something that has happened as I've been kind of creating my own content and rolling it out, isn't that I'm not influenced by people because of course I am, but also I don't like, I almost never work with anybody. I don't read any books. I don't listen to any podcasts. Um, you know, I watch like the Queen's Gambit and Shit's Creek, you know, <laughs> which isn't to say I come up with all of these ideas on my own because I don't, you know, I'm, I'm in conversation with people online all the time. Um, and most recently I've worked with, uh, Tanya Geisler, who has been amazing. I worked, uh, one-on-one with Andrea Renee Johnson also is amazing. When I started my business, I was working with Nona Jordan, who brought me to become certified in the crystalline consciousness technique, which is an energy work that I use in my business. So I do work with people and people have influenced me, but also, the real reason I started my business was because I was like, I can just geek out with myself and make these things that I think are beautiful and useful. And the fact that other people find them beautiful and useful too is kind of the thrill of my lifetime. Sure. Well, I think what you're saying is that you're a visionary. (laughs) I believe that is what I'm saying. Yes. Yes. (laughs) It's not as though you haven't been influenced by great teachers and masters. It's no small thing that there's so much information out there and you've somehow decided I'm going to listen to my own voice. And I know you sort of chuckled when I said you're a very nurturing person. And so I think that's interesting too, because all of your writing, your beautiful writing, and I, and I want to talk more about your book coming out is it feels very nurturing your website, all of your materials, everything is an invitation to come on in and be you. There's nothing about your materials that says, maybe not you. So you have this really inclusivity vibe. And that's what I mean by nurturing, because I think we're living in a time now where there's so much compartmentalizing and people are really tapped out. And so I'm wondering, how did compassion which you seem to have a lot of for others and probably yourself as well, maybe a little, you'd like a little more. How did compassion really show up when you were a child growing up? How did you see that in the world around you? Yeah. So it's amazing. The reason I chuckled is because I am like literally this week coming to terms with the fact that being my nurturing kind of intuitive and heart-led self is like enough, (laughs) which is, I mean, is both obvious and also like the shock of a lifetime kind of. (laughs) And I think that, you know, I, I have been this way my whole life and 
And, you know, I grew up in a really loving family. I remembered when I was a kid, like like hearing for the first time, somebody said, well, I just don't like my sister, or I just don't speak to this part of my family. I did not come from a family like that. My family was like, I love you, but I don't like you right now, but I'm going to get over it because that's what that's, you know, there's, it's just, it was just like not an option, which, you know, meant we learned to hold a lot from and with one another. And I'm grateful to that for that skill for many reasons. But something else that I saw was that people extend that to other people and they don't extend it to themselves. And so for me, you know, I would say that even as I was really nurturing, even as I was really caring and really able to hold the possibility and assume positive intent with pretty much everybody, I was really hard on myself. You know, always assume that I wasn't good enough, always assume that what I had to offer, you know, needed to be quantified or taught or, you know, put into a system or something, something better than me just showing up saying, this is what I think and feel. And it's really, it's really been interesting because it's so funny. People often say, you know, I reserve my cruelty for myself, but not for other people, my judgments for myself, but not for other people. But what I found is actually, if we're judging ourselves, we're, we are judging, we may not think it's good. So we may push it way down, but we are judging other people the same way we're judging ourselves. And so for me, it's been like this long journey of digging through those layers. And now I work with people around their needs. And one of the reasons I'm so Um, like fiercely passionate about that is because we live in a time where we don't allow one another to be human. And we may say, you know, I, I'm only a perfectionist with myself. I'm, I'm much more loving with other people, but really that's not true. Mm -hmm. And so if we're gonna co-create a new world for ourselves, which we have to do, it's, you know, so pressing, we have to learn how to allow ourselves to be human, be compassionate with ourselves and allow other people to be human, be compassionate with them. And for me, you know, it has been a real, a a real journey to that place where I could be compassionate with myself and to say, okay, you know, and becoming a parent has been really instrumental in this because all of a sudden I quite literally don't have the energy or capacity to pretend I'm perfect. Yeah. And that was that was a rough reality for the first year of my oldest daughter's life. But now it's, I'm realizing what a gift it is too, because it has opened me up to realizing that good enough is really good enough mm-hmm. on so many fronts. I love your phrase, taking up space. And it just goes to, you know, my earliest leanings, studying feminism and Gloria Steinem and, you know, Gloria Steinem. Ms. Magazine came out when I graduated from high school. So now I'm really dating myself, (laughs) but there was a movement back then for women to take up big space. And then it all sort of got tamped down in the eighties and in the nineties. And so now it's, it's obviously been coming back for quite some time, but when you say taking up space, what do you mean by that? Well, for me, you know, it's, it's both physical and metaphorical, having grown up my whole life in a bigger body, I have noticed how I have contorted myself to be smaller. Um, 
as an apology for my size, for, you know, like inconvenience of being in my presence. And I'm laughing because I mean, it's, it's far, I'm far removed from having these kinds of thoughts about myself, but I can really remember that, you know, shame stance of legs tight together, you know, holding myself in with my elbows, my head down to my chin and, you know, hoping that if I never said I was fat, nobody would notice. Or if I never put myself out there, you know, I w- everything would be fine. It would be okay. And so when I started allowing myself to take up space, it began with really just embodying my, my body and not dressing, you know, in the way that was like perfectly most flattering, but in something that I liked or felt comfortable in, or, you know, even just like the physicality of like opening, unfolding yourself just a little bit. What I realized was that, you know, it wasn't just something I was doing physically, that I was making myself small, diminishing my needs, um, apologizing for myself. Now, not just my physical self, but also I'm a lot of a person. I have a lot of thoughts and a lot of needs, and I want to talk about them all. And I'm always paying attention, which is highly annoying to people who don't want to be paid attention to. And, you know, and, and I just, I have a robust energy, which again, I was like, don't do, nobody likes that. You know, do, please do not put that in a box and put that away. I remember being in fourth grade and my class went, we went to the nutcracker and nobody was behaving. And I stood up on the bus and I was wearing this like fancy velvet outfit. And I was like, you're all a bunch of heathens. And they were like, we hate you so much. <laughs> it's like your vocabulary, your outfits, like you're, you're like, it's too much. And so what, what was part of like my physical body was also this like, Hey, like at some point you got to let yourself be who you are. And that's a lot. And it's going to be too much for some people, but it, you know, keeping yourself so tight and holding your breath is, it's not a life. No, I want to thank you for giving that to the world, that gift that you are sharing from the depths of who you are and that you're helping and serving that way for so many people. It's, it's really profound. Oh, thank you, Jane. Yeah, it's a big deal. So what is your definition of self-care? Because we, we know now that there's so much about self-care being written and discussed, and, but you're talking about it in a different way. How I see it is that you are helping people create their own definition for self-care that may not include bubble baths or getting their nails done or losing 10 pounds to fit into the thing or whatever. So talk to us about how you practice self-care and what that might look like for people that are really trying to reinvent that. Yeah. It's like, I love and hate that everyone's talking about self-care now because we need it desperately. And also, you know, it's never going to be on a listicle that you find on the internet. And I mean, like maybe I talk a lot about <laughs> bubble baths because I do not like baths myself. Um, but I realize that for many people, a bath is it. And that's great. Um, and that's the point, right? Is that for me, self-care is about being in relationship with yourself, working with yourself and not on yourself. 
and really taking radical responsibility for your needs, for the, your, the physical needs of your body, for your mental, emotional needs, and for your spiritual needs as well. I think, you know, we've, we've really, you know, it's like, if we have like this thin slice of energy, um, to devote to anything, we barely allow ourselves to drink a glass of water and we're not, we're not available. We don't have the actual energetic capacity to have larger conversations about whether or not we're living in alignment with our values or, um, if we're in energetic integrity with ourselves or what that might even be like. And so, how I work with people is really around taking responsibility for your needs, building self-trust through taking responsibility for your needs and allowing that to blossom into self-love at some point. Usually it's like appreciation. And then, you know, at some point it's something like love, because what I find is all these conversations about self-care, are like love yourself, treat yourself. And my experience is Those of us who suffer with this, like struggle with this, I don't even know myself. So how could I love myself? And so the conversation isn't even whether or not I love myself. It's like, I am responsible for this body. What do I need? How am I going to show up for this body that I have been tasked with for how I feel and not how I look? And, you know, beyond that is like this life that I, that I have you know, and how can I be an active participant? And, you know, maybe that stretches self-care beyond uh, (laughs) any any reasonably concise definition. But I think that when we're talking about self-care, we are talking about taking care of ourselves. And that is an expansive conversation because that means I'm taking care of my body. I'm taking care of my ambition, my purpose. I'm taking care of the things that I value. I am, you know, trying to shop from small businesses and I'm also, you know, giving the people who I employ in my business a lot of time. It's it's like, it, it is, it is happening on so many levels and really it's about building this trustworthy relationship with ourselves that we are committed to staying by our own side, no matter what is happening in the world around us. And you also used a word that is quite brilliant. And that word is responsibility. So what, what I see a lot is there's a lot of talk about why we should do. So I guess what I'm trying to say, a lot of people are way showers. They say, here's what self-care is. Do you know whether or not you're doing it? Do you understand what this means? But you're really upping the ante by saying you need to take responsibility for this. Because it's that integration piece that's so essential. Yeah. Well, and it's amazing because I think right now we're at this moment where we see there's so much happening politically here in the States. There's so, I mean, there are so many conversations to attend to that it's easy to see, particularly if you are in a position and a body of privilege to think, you know, my care of myself is secondary or last on the list because in the face of all of these things. And from where I'm sitting, I'm more concerned than ever that people are taking care of themselves because what what we have to show up for is immense and we need to be resourced and 
like nourished and and joyful and celebratory where and whenever possible in order to be up to the task of being a human on the planet in 2020. And so I find that those surface level self-care conversations do kind of peter out when you're thinking, okay, well, there's a lot of really heavy hitting topics that impact people, maybe unlike myself in such magnificent ways and terrible ways. And my self-care time, I get like lost in the mix of that. But if we're really able to understand whatever it is that we're committed to, um, we have to be making tandem commitments to ourselves about how we are sustaining and taking responsibility for our, our own energy so that we even have the capacity to show up for the first commitment. And I find that we, by and large, don't do that. And so this is why we don't have this self-trust, not because we're untrustworthy, but because we're not taking ourselves into the equation. It's like, whatever you want to do, like, okay, great, Mara, you want to write this book? You want to write this book proposal? You want to like contend in the arena, like Brene Brown says, with your self-doubt every single day of this year to like make this thing happen? Okay, well, what you need personally to make good on that promise to yourself are X, Y, and Z. And I can't, I can't, you know, it's like, I can't just have me at my best and then, you know, expect me to run on nothing. And so I'm always really interested in that because I find that we carry so much pain and so much shame and so much, you know, turmoil around our lack of self-trust when really it's like, we aren't resourcing ourselves to make good on our promises at all. And that has to be a part of how we're in relationship with ourselves. Because if I care about my work, I have to care about the physical care of my body. Those two things go hand in hand or, you know, on both sides, it's a non-starter. Uh, so good. So how does a visionary find refuge in these times? <laughs> it's so funny because my partner's like, I don't understand. Like, I don't understand what you are doing, like how you operate you'll be like writing a sales page, but also fully watching a TV show or listening to a podcast. And how does your brain even function? And for better or for worse, it's like my brain's operating on multiple planes simultaneously. It's actually very restful for me to take at least one of those planes out of the equation. <laughs> and so I think that I very carefully curate my my like joyful obsessions. I pay a lot of attention to like, what is lighting me up? What is thrilling me? How can I be all in on that? You know, if I look at this pandemic time, it's like, just like everyone else, I had the sourdough phase. I was, you know, I had the like, all of these cottage core phase. I was doing all of these different things. And I think part of what helps me just keep showing up is is being really intentional around boundaries for myself about like, okay, this is enough for today. Like I've left it on the field and the rest of the day, I'm going to do quote unquote, nothing, which I might define, you know, it's like everything else. And, but being really intentional about that, like I, I have like a lay it on thick philosophy. And so I love to really relish in things <laughs> And so I have like these like private obsessions that I'm like researching or thinking about, or, you know, listening. I said, I didn't listen to podcasts. Sometimes I do listen to a podcast, you know, or I'm watching Schitt's Creek and I'm watching like the behind the scenes cuts and I'm, you know, I'm, like, I'm following Dan Levy on Instagram. I'm like really <laughs> laying it on thick because for me, it is so, it brings me so much joy. And I think 
it's essential for us to understand how that joy and that celebration is generative and, you know, really gives us the capacity to keep, keep doing whatever it is that we're doing. And my days are so long when my kids, luckily my kids go to bed early. Once our kids go to bed, it's like seven o'clock and Cookie and I, my partner and I just kind of like melt into whatever (laughs) it is that is keeping us going at that point. And you know, there were there talk about compassion. There are so many times in my life where I'd be like, have you done the laundry? Have you washed the floors? Have you like set out the perfect lunch in the bento boxes with like the cut out the little shapes of the vegetables and write your children love notes? Like, no, I'm like, you're getting school lunch. (laughs) I will say there's so much pressure on motherhood now. It's unbelievable. It's just, it's, I, my heart goes out. I mean, there's so much pressure and I love how you're talking about like, I'm people call that guilty pleasures, like watching a show or nerding out or whatever. But I think a lot of people are doing that right now. And that to me is that's self-care. I mean, like yeah. for me, like no one would know this about me, but like I love horror films. And because I have a Scorpio moon. If you get me a, a horror film, I will actually have a better night of sleep after watching a horror film. That's just what my shadow side needs to feel complete. And so I think though there's this message in society that says, don't look at those images, don't do this. And and that is also in the realm of self-care. Like there's all these sort of platitudes about it. Like, here's what we should do. Here's what we shouldn't do. And yet we get to create what we're doing. I mean, we can feel for ourselves. And I think this is what you're saying in your work. We can feel for ourselves if something feels good for us, or if it doesn't, we will know we are the masters of our self-care. Well, and that is true because, you know, anything can be a problem and anything can be perfectly fine. It just, you know, it has to do with Like if I'm laying on my couch watching like seasons of Gilmore Girls, that is like a sign that things are not fine for me personally. But if I'm like sitting up watching The Queen's Gambit, like a secret thing about me is that I love movies and TV shows that are about chess, of which there are not many. What a gift The Queen's Gambit has been to my life. I I can't wait. I'm going to start this weekend. It's so good. And so if I'm sitting up like, you know, excitedly gobbling up the Queen's Gambit. That's a really different vibe for me than that, like, you know, Gilmore Girls is on again. And um... you're you're just going back. So if you were, there's so many people right now that are just kind of like, I don't know what to do with all this energy I have, all this heat in the air. If you were to give, you know, two or three tips for how someone could just right now alleviate some suffering in attend kind of a vibe. What what might that look like? Yeah, so my first thought is to pick one thing. You know, so often we are we feel so agitated because we're like kind of doing 100 things and never really doing anything. And so I love to really deepen into something and it means you have to pick and choose and that's very challenging. You know, intend I always have people it's like, okay, well, what is your thing right now? And they want to have all of the things. We cannot have all of the things because then we are doing nothing. So you know, even if it's for right now, pick one thing that you care about, you know, that you're going to give your whole heart to. It feels so good to move something to completion. Uh, One of my absolute, absolute favorite personal self-care things to do is to detail my car, which you're not going to find on any listicle. (laughs) 
And here's why I solve like big world problems in my brain all day long. So to take a small space from chaos to like sparkling beauty in a period of time is so soothing to me, you know, it puts me back in order inside. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if there are things like that for you, really devoting yourself to them. And I find, you know, it's usually stuff that like makes your, that you're using your hands for. Yeah. Um, that brings you back into your body. And, you know, the thing that's working for me, the number one thing that's working for me is, um, you know, I have a four-year-old, so we call it a controlled tantrum, uh, where we have a playlist of like, she loves Taylor Swift, like loves Taylor Swift and also pink. And so it's like pink and Taylor Swift and Katy Perry and like old school, no doubt. And, you know, all of these songs that you really just like jump up and down and shake it all out to and being really intentional about emptying out everything that you're carrying you know, this isn't like, you're not looking cute while you're dancing, right? You're just like, like shaking your body all around. And I find, you know, whatever it is that's like that, that can help you to empty the cup of everything that you're carrying. That is such an essential life skill right now. And so, you know, we listen to that playlist like several times a day and just jump around and shout um, because otherwise they're shouting and, you know, they're doing what I wish I could do. I'm like screaming in my heart. Was that the theme of, of 2020? <laughs> yes, um, in your heart. I love that. So I don't scream in my heart. I like, I really like dance it out. Well, I love all those, those uh, really essential that what, what I'm hearing is focus. Like, that's what I think too, for myself. Like there's just this inability to really focus. I've been working on my second book and it's just unbelievable how hard it is to focus right now. And I don't really have any excuse. I have plenty of time. I do not have small children at home. I just have two cats. But I think even when you talked about like detailing your car, it's a very present moment activity. And it might not be a present moment activity like sitting, you know, with in the own position meditating or practicing yoga or many of the other ways that we certainly can become present. But that's a present moment activity that you can also, I think it's gratifying And that's one of those things that, you know, it's like, I did it tracking yourself. I did it once and I was like, wow, that feels really good. I'm going to do it again and see if it still feels really good. And now, you know, now it's been 10 years and I'm like, oh, I feel like this, you know, jangly all over the place inside. I'm going to go and do that. Like I'm going to use that specifically and that's just one example. But I think the more that we're in relationship with ourselves, the more that we know, this is what I really need when I feel this way. And that's, that knowing is so powerful. And that only comes from staying with yourself and, yeah. you know, paying attention. It's like, I was talking to somebody the other day and they're like, yeah, I ask myself how, you know, how am I? What do you need? I'm like, okay, look, we all know when somebody asks you a question, but they don't really care and they don't really want to know the <laughs> answer, you know that as well. So when you turn towards yourself and you're like, hey, how's it going? Okay. I did my due diligence. I asked, you know, we don't really want to wait or be patient for the answer. It's like, don't be that friend to yourself. Mm. And that's what makes up that, you know, that relationship. Mara, I cannot wait to read your book. <laughs> so when, when is this book coming out? And can you tell us a little bit about it? Like what will we find in this jewel? Well, um, hope we're at a stage where hopefully, uh, 
a publisher is as excited about it as you are, Jane. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, it'll take a bit of time, of course, but I have written the book already uh, or a draft of it. And so <laughs> I kindly refer to it as the like, how the fuck does this whole thing work? manual. Yeah. And really that's what it's like. I, I love to talk about these kind of like images and ways of being with yourself, but my other side is really practical. It's like, how the fuck does this actually work in real time? Mm-hmm. You know, what did it look like to have a nice conversation with yourself? What does it look like to build up trust? What does it look like to take care of yourself, take responsibility for your needs? And I think we need both of those parts, right? The vision and also the, this is how it shakes out in real life. And these are some ways you can experiment with it and, you know, really opportunities for you to be in relationship with yourself, to find your own answers. Mm. So is it going to be kind of experiential? Yes. There, each chapter has a memoir part and also two practices for you to, to take the concepts and play with. So this could be almost like a retreat. It's based on TEND. So, you know, for the last five years, I've been teaching a lot of this material um, and I took it and I brought it in with stories from my own life and, you know, stories, understandings of it from having taught it over the last couple of years. And um, yeah, I think it's going to be pretty great. Mm -hmm. Can't wait to share more about that. Thank you so much for being here today with me. This was such uh, just a rich conversation and I'm just so glad you're in my world. Thank you. I feel the same about you. And I'm, thank you for this opportunity. I love getting to hang out with, with your community as well. I know that my community will love you and this interview and we'll include all of the goodies about how everyone can find out more about Mara and her beautiful work in the show notes. Thank you. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Hey everyone, hope you enjoyed this episode. Such a rich conversation. I really appreciate you being here. And if you'd like to follow up and learn more about Mara, she teaches everything she knows about identifying, honoring, and advocating for your needs in her nine-month online program called TEND. You can access her free training, Revive Self-Care That Works, or hang out with her on Instagram, or tune into her weekly podcast, Needy. We'll include all the links to do those things in our show notes. And now that we're fully coming into holiday season, I hope you take extra good care of yourself. Find some time to slow down, appreciate the moments, and really just do what you need to do to take care of yourself these days. It's really important and thinking all good thoughts for you and your loved ones. And I look forward to our next time. Thank you.